0: For listeners of Stadium Scene's Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code Stadium Scene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com, that's L I N Q A P P.com. There's a lot of people in the sports world nowadays. Hey, uh, before we get started here, uh, Kate and I actually uh, are out this week having some schedule conflict, so there'll be no actual new episode this week. Uh, we plan on being back next week with a, an all-new guest, but this week we're actually doing something different. We're actually re-releasing one of our old episodes from back when we were called just the Stadium Scene Podcast. Um, it's, it's with Bernard Pollard, the former NFL uh, player. And it was kind of one of our first big breaks as a guest. Uh, we kind of floundered around trying to just putting together our own identity, and we just weren't sure where we were going with this. We were still pretty new, even though it had been like a year and a half. We hadn't produced many episodes, and Bernard was one of our first kind of lucky breaks. Um, and it's kind of hard to actually go back and listen to it myself, uh, realizing that you know how far we've come in the last two years as a as a show, as as somebody who's essentially broadcasting, and see the the tremendous growth we've we've made, I'm just kind of embarrassed at myself. Um, you know, one of my top things as a interviewer is know who you're interviewing and make sure that you come fully prepared. And in the first you know two minutes of the show, I mispronounced the uh, clothing brand that Bernard owns. So that was uh, pretty lame on my part. Uh, but you know, you, you make mistakes, you you learn, you you kind of find your voice in and that rapport between you and, and your partners and you and your guests, and, and you go from there. Um, it was a very enlightening, very fun conversation with Bernard learning about, you know, his travels through football and some of the people he met along the way. Um, you know, playing in that infamous Harbaugh Ball, Super Bowl where they lost power and uh Yeah, so I'm just going to shut up now and uh, let you listen to the, the rest of the show. So, ready or not, here's Bernard Pollard. Welcome to episode 35. Kate is here with me.
1: Hey, hi.
0: Hi, Kate. How are you? I am okay. Um I'm doing better than Jillian is right now or I guess maybe not depends on on your perspective. She is uh she's not here with us today. Um as you've known from our previous episodes, she's been working with NBC Sports on the covering the Stanley Cup playoffs, doing those videos daily uh and fighting trolls for the last 2 months and uh she decided she wanted to go do a a a, a a music festival before she decided to take her week-long nap after uh, presenting at the awards show uh this week so uh big big stuff for her but she'll be back next time uh we'll go ahead and jump right in we have a guest today with us we're really excited for this uh our guest today played nine seasons in the nfl for the Kansas City, Houston, Baltimore, and Tennessee, and was on the winning side in Super Bowl 47, aka the infamous Harbaugh Bowl between Baltimore and San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) Today he's the host of the upcoming podcast, The Bernard Pollard Show, and founded his own clothing line, pronounced Dunatos, I hope I pronounced that right, Uh, but before- Dunatos. Sorry, what was that? Dunatos. Dunatos, so there we go. I learned something today then. So, but before all that, he got his start as my neighbor at Purdue University. Please welcome to the show, Bernard Pollard. What's up? Hey, thanks for being on the show. And, uh,
2: oh, thank you guys for having me. D-
0: despite my introduction, we've, uh, we've never officially met before, even though, um, we probably lived right down the street from each other. Before I, uh, move too far ahead, which, which dorm did you live in when you were at Purdue?
2: So we were in, so the entire football, well, all the freshmen was in Wiley, so we were we were all in Wiley, kicking it, man. You bring back memories now.
0: Yeah, we were right across the street. So yes, yes, you, sir. You literally were my neighbor. <laughs>
2: that's good, and man. That's,
0: that's exciting. So we're gonna jump right in. We mentioned in the the introduction, we're gonna talk a lot of NFL today. Just you know, seems like the obvious topic, but I wanna get right into talking about the Super Bowl, and you know you've You've lived what you know most boys grow up to you know dream as a child growing up playing in the Super Bowl winning the Super Bowl just can you give us a, a feel of just what that overall experience was like for
2: you The experience was amazing and I, and I think you know kind of what you just said a lot of boys dream of that um that's you know what they wanted to do that was never that winning the Super Bowl was never part of you know my, it wasn't a part of my future. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I I said a lot of people, I played football. Football was my getaway. to, To stay away from the house to, um, you know, I was, I was with my father. Um, and that was my time to, you know, not have to be in the house with five girls, my other brother. Um, it was an opportunity for me to escape because, you know, we had just some, you know, me and my dad, we're not on the best of terms right now, but, you know, I, I don't hate them. Uh, but it's just, it's, you know, that was my getaway. So when I, played, when, when I was playing football, I knew that I was a little different than everybody else uh, that I played against. And so right around my sophomore, going into my sophomore year, I knew I had a chance to play in college. And so that, I was just like, okay, I'll go ahead and I'm going to take this thing serious. I'm going to roll with it, and I'm just going to go and right at my senior year I was just like okay I'm you know if things kept going good so I got to my freshman year I was like I'm not I'm not you know redshirt and I'm playing as a freshman I'm starting as a freshman and I'm plus be here 3 years and I'm off to the NFL and so I just never thought about Hall of Fame I've never thought about Super Bowl I just wanted to play football and that's and and thank god it happened
0: Yeah that's uh that's well it's definitely a different perspective I did not <laughs> I don't really expect that <laughs> So Going going back to the, the game and the, the you know the preparation and the festivities, I mean, you know, Media Day is pretty infamous for just the variety of, of characters that show up and the variety of, of questions you ask. Do you have a you know a standout memory from that media day that you participated in?
2: So Media Day is actually, like you said, crazy. Um, you have telemundo, you got all kind of people there wearing the craziest clothes um and you you have to be there or you that's i think it's a 100,000 dollar fine you have to be there and you have to communicate and so um you know the way the NFL has set this thing up man you know it's it's genius on their part but i think at the same time when you talk about going to the super bowl you know you got a 53 man roster plus your you know other guys that you know maybe on practice squad or whatever you got a whole lot of guys that may not ever end up saying anything, and you have them locked in this big room, just sitting there watching. Um, so, it, once again, it's it's a it's an honor to be there, representing your football team, the city, and um, you know yourself uh, there uh, in in that media day. But at the same time, it's really a a clown show. It's a clown show. You might get a couple serious questions, other than that, it's, it's freaking a clown show, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, they, they show, you know, limited highlights on TV of it. And based on, you know, these little 30 second clips, you're just like, uh, you know, you, you, you're you hoping that that's it for just the oddball. But, you, you know, you, you just got that feeling in the back of your head that, no, that the whole day is just like that. So <laughs>
2: glad yeah. you're able to. Con- they, 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 yeah, they definitely lied to y'all.
1: <laughs> so I, I have a question about the game itself. So DJ and I met because we worked at a company that makes power grid parts. So this game, this Super Bowl definitely caught my attention when the power went out. Um, <laughs> what was it like being there and playing and having this god stop?
2: Well, so the cra- so honestly, the crazy part about all of that was the when the power went out. They, whoever did it, didn't do it right the first time. So they cut the lower bowl off, and the upper bowl was still on. So we all were kind of sitting there like, "What just happened?" And then they, you can tell somebody went back in to do it again. They cut the lower bowl on and cut the upper bowl off. And so we were all, everybody was just like, "Okay, yo." Everybody was like, "Man," everybody start, you know, people start booing. We and the players, we all looking like, "Yo," we was like, "Man, what's going on?" Because we were beating up. Kiss out of them, <laughs> and so and we all knew kind of what's going on, and then next you know everything went dark, and we was like, heck, no man, they y'all cheating." So we end up, you know, it, it, you know, we, it was nothing. Obviously, we could do about it. We, they they ran the show and everything else, but you, it's a Super Bowl. You go, you got to know that everything needs to be intact, ready to roll. Because if you think about it, nothing happened. During a Super Bowl halftime show, every, Beyonce was there. She did her little routine, and, and everybody was kicking. No power went out then, but the power went out when we was tearing that hell up, and they wanted to put that fire out. <laughs> so
0: the, the fun little side story. So as Kate mentioned, we, we used to work together at that company, and after the power came on and the investigation happened, the, the local electric utility in New Orleans – said that it was a defective piece of equipment that caused the lights to go out. And then the company who manufactured the equipment was actually one of our, it was our chief, one of our chief competitors as far as, you know, they, they're actually, we were on the Southwest side of Chicago. They were on the North side of Chicago and they actually issued a statement that said there was nothing wrong with the equipment. The contractor you hired to install and program and do all that stuff for it uh, didn't set it up correctly. So it shut off before it should. And we're sitting here at work, you know, the days after this and we're just thinking, wow, we just saw a a manufacturer of equipment go and throw their customer under the bus after, mm-hmm. you know, a huge huge uh you know, black eye for them and it's just it, it was amazing that just that they were so like, "Wait a second. No, our our equipment was fine. It was your fault. You didn't put it in right." So that was exactly uh, that was that was pretty amazing. That was uh that was talked about long, long after the uh the game was over.
2: Yeah. yeah and man, for that's the crazy.
1: <laughs> That was one of the only times DJ thank or was thinking at work. Oh
0: man. <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. Yeah, exactly. You're she welcome. just threw you under the bus. She threw me under the bus now. So, uh, let's just, you know, we mentioned before this is the the infamous Harbaugh bowl where you had your coach John Harbaugh and his brother Jim coaching San Francisco at the time. You know, that was obviously played up in the media, but was there really anything in the, you know, the practice and leading up to it that this was a a brother versus brother matchup or was that just strictly media driven?
2: Well, it was media-driven, because I I don't know if if you guys remember, we end up we played them on a Thanksgiving, I think it was a Thanksgiving or a day before Thanksgiving, um, either that year or the year before. And they amped it up uh, to that. We played them actually in Baltimore. And, um, you know, but I, I think at the end of the day, too, you don't really come across things that happen like that. Two brothers playing against each other, the parents got to – you know the, the the dad you know has done some successful things in life you know uh, you know really good friends with Muhammad Ali he brought him in uh, to our practice uh, one day um, but just some of the things that he's done um, throughout his career but then also you know you look at even in this last Super Bowl you got the McCourty twins you know a set of twins playing on the same defense for New England so when you when you have things like that I think the media will run with it. And I think rightfully so because you just you don't see it often.
0: So that's uh, that's about what I expected. So, so moving on, we'll talk about the uh, the current state of the NFL. And a few years ago, you made a, a comment about you know fans losing interest uh, with all the injuries. Players are getting bigger, stronger, faster, and you had concerns about the NFL potentially you know not being a thing in thirty years. Do you do you still feel that way, or is your uh, view you evolved on that stance?
2: So, okay, so I I still feel that way in a sense, but if you look at, if you look at it, they have changed so much of the game that, you know, they're trying to accommodate, you know, the moms, they're trying to accommodate, if you look at the quarterback position, um, they're trying to say, okay, well, we can make these safer helmets. And... You know, you're not going to, you're going to have less concussions and this and that. Well, you can't, I mean, the guys are getting bigger, stronger, faster, you know, we, every year. So to, those guys are, are the one running and, and making a collision. So if you go and make a safer helmet, it still doesn't matter. This is, you can't just like go, go get in a car crash, but be careful. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? Like that's, I mean, that's, this is what you're saying to do. And so I, I think they, have, they, they are trying to accommodate the, the parents because they see the drop-off. The percentages or the numbers show that they're dropping from youth football. There's no youth, you know, it's really not, you know, I think they said it was down almost 10 to 13%. And so it's, it's going to continue to go that way when you're seeing the collisions, when these mothers are watching football, these fathers are watching football. My son is finally He's going to be in the sixth grade. And I'm just now letting him play contact football. So this is what's happening. People are pulling their kids. Some people holding their kids out and then, you know, letting them go in. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stuck right now because, you know, if you look at it as well, people are falling off from the NFL and from college or, and more from the NFL, just, you know, and I know that players taking the meal, that stance, that kind of do with it. But then, you know, the safety part of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of caught in between right now.
0: Sure. That's, that's definitely understandable. I mean, it's, I think they've made. Yeah, I agree. They've made some tremendous slots, uh, you know, strides in, in improving the safety of the game. But you know, at the same time, it's it's football. I mean, it's 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 a violent game. I mean, hockey is a violent exactly. game too. Like you know, there's risk. Mm-hmm. Nobody's being forced to go out there. Well, hopefully not. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, people are unfortunately, 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 whatever you want to say. I mean, it's it's their own risk. They're going out there. They're playing and they, they're they taking the risk. They know that, you know, this, this could end poorly for them.
2: Right. I agree.
0: So moving on to this upcoming season, you know, the Patriots just won another Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, I'm so
1: tired of them. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, you know, and, and you having faced off against them a couple of times, especially in the, you know, in the AFC championships, and I think you Couple, uh, I'm drawing a blank. You played them in a regular season. You played them in a regular season. I mean, do do you think they have another run in them, or you know, how long do you think Brady will play? When will it? When will we be done with this Patriots team?
2: You know what? I mean, it, it, it's. I was actually just thinking about them earlier today, and that's that's crazy that you asked me this. So for me. I think as long as the NFL continues to run after these so called high profile players coming out of college, high profile um, you know, players in the free agency, I think what you need to look at is you don't ever see, you know, Coach Belichick making moves like that. They're not running. They don't want to have they don't want to have the top pick. You know, I, I don't think they've had a top pick in the last twelve years, if that. That's Ten or twelve years. I don't think they had right. a top. So if you look at his system, you know, his system worked for his team, and they're not budging. They're not budgeting. They are not budgeting they do not want to be – you don't see them in the running for highest paid players at any position. You don't see them in the running for any high-profile college player in a draft. They're drafting according to who fits their scheme, their system. They go to free agency according to who fits their scheme, their system. And when you come there, you know, they break you down to let you know here. I mean, you come here, you do it our way, and that's the Patriot way. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, if you look at it, Tom Brady, the, the second-best quarterback to me that has ever been on the center, that has ever threw a football, handed the football off, he's the second-best. You've never heard him have a $100 million contract. But he keeps reing up because he knows. Why leave that system that works that he got 6 rings from? No need to.
0: So who's your uh, who's your number 1 all time then?
2: Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is the best quarterback to ever throw a football.
0: <clears throat> you know, growing up in Indiana, you know, being an Indiana native myself as well, you're not going to get an argument from me. <laughs> There'll be plenty. Of <laughs> uh, you know. We'll, we'll, well, Actually, we're going to discuss Peyton a little bit here, down, uh, down towards the end of the show. But you know, it's 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 funny you say that. It's just with the Patriots, always seems like they're they're going after the guy that you've never heard of, the guy who's undersized, who didn't fit in somewhere else. You know, somebody. You know, you look early on in their their run, they had like Corey Dillon, who was seen as kind of a, a locker room cancer in Cincinnati. And then he comes in and has a, a, a great little run with, with New England. And it just, it, it just seems like they're always one step ahead of everybody
2: else. Well, I mean, I, I, when, you, when you're not chasing like every other team, and you look at high school football, look at colleges when they go to you know recruit high school football players. It's all about having that five-star player. Well, at the end of the day, five those five-star players have been the best of the best of the best since they were young. Now when they get to college, they got to learn how to outwork somebody. So they never had to work. So that's why they fall off to to the wayside, and you don't really hear about them anymore after they leave high school. So this is the same approach that Coach Belichick is taking. I don't need to go get a high-profile college player. I don't need to go get a high-profile NFL player. I'm going to go get the right player that fits my system that we can keep rolling because everybody else is going to go chase those other players. I don't want to be in the running trying to trying to make this guy the highest paid Because the more coaches that's talking to that that free agent, that's the more money he's going to make. Mm-hmm. So Bill Belich- Coach Belichick, smart, man.
0: That's for sure. I mean, it's just, you know, so much has changed. Like pretty much everybody in that front office has changed, and the only three things that have stayed the same, owner, coach, quarterback.
2: Quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Moving on. I want to ask you a little bit about some of the some of the people that you've either played for or played with and we'll just kind of run through uh you know the teams that that you were with and we'll start with with Kansas City and I noticed early on you played with Jared Allen who I actually forgot he played for the Chiefs. You know, you remember him from his Vikings <laughs> days, but what what is uh what was Jared Allen like? Do you have you know remember him very much?
2: So first of all, Jared Allen, he he's uh he's my neighbor here in uh in Tennessee. So, so he they moved, moved in Nashville. Yeah, they moved in Nashville. Um Jared is was one of the like so I you know, I'm an outspoken dude. I am going to say what I mean and mean what I say. He was the coldest white boy at defensive <laughs> end outside of Rob Nikovich that I've ever seen rush the passer. And so for me, when I saw him in Kansas City, I would always just kind of sit back and be like, man, who is this white dude that's rushing the passer? He could run. He had hand, he had hand placement, hand moves. I was like, dude. So me and him, we hit it off anyway because we both crazy. But, you know, he he, he on the other spectrum crazy. But it, it, it was just one of those things where we connected when I got to Kansas City. And he is one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet. He All he wants to do is laugh, have a good time play football, spend time with his family. I mean, the the guy is an awesome dude. It, it, I can't say enough about him. He's a He was an awesome teammate. When he left, we knew he was going to be, we knew he was getting paid, you know, when we were in Kansas City. We're like, this dude was racking up sack after sack after sack and Kansas City couldn't match uh, Minnesota's offer. And when he left to go to Minnesota, man, we all just had to hug him, man, and you just, you got to go. It's a business. He right. had to go.
0: Yeah, you always say, about all the players, well, they can take money over, you know, if, if, if honestly, like, what person? If somebody comes to you with a giant check with a bunch of zeros to the left of the decimal point, who's gonna say no to that? I don't care who exactly. you are. <laughs> if someone walked up to me tomorrow and offered me a hundred million dollars to do something, you know, short of you know, something illegal. I would say, yeah, absolutely, I'm signed. Where do I <laughs> sign? <laughs>
2: exactly? So, so
0: you, you moved on to to Baltimore after Kansas City, and. Um, you know, you played for John Harbaugh, as we mentioned previously, and I believe Chuck Pagano was he your defensive coordinator at that point, or was he? Uh, was he still? A yeah. Player? So, Coach,
2: Coach Pagano was the D coordinator when I uh, when I got to Baltimore. So I went to Houston after Kansas City, mm-hmm. and then uh, Baltimore after Houston. So yes, Coach Pagano was the D coordinator.
0: Right. Yes. So. Pagano, again, I'm digging into my my Indiana roots here. He went on to to coach the Colts and had that, you know, he had a cancer diagnosis his first year and and he missed out uh, much of the season and and then came back. Um, I mean, you really got to see on TV what kind of a person he was, uh, you know, just from how he handled his his cancer diagnosis and how he addressed the team when he returned. Is is that really, you know, is that how he was when you – Played for him in Baltimore.
2: Coach Pagano is one of the um, man. How do I how do I describe Coach? Because I always call I always call Coach Pagano the blackjack dealer. You know, and and I mean he this dude was he's awesome, and like we still text each other to this day. And, and I mean he'll call you know he called me BP, and you know he just. Just, just his heart. He has a genuine heart, and you know, for for us, when we, you know, when we got a chance to see him, and just seeing him battle when he did battle, you know, the cancer, and just to see him in front of the team and coming, we knew who that was. We knew that was a real man standing in front of his football team, you know. And and I was I was excited because I almost had a chance to go play for him in Indianapolis if it wasn't for Baltimore. But I almost had a chance to go play with for him and the deal fell through and I was disappointed because I wanted to play for my coach Who, you know, I, we were we were pissed because we wanted to win the Super Bowl for him as a D coordinator, but you know, but to see him go through that fight and and to come out, you know, on top beating cancer's tail, man, we were excited.
0: No, and I remember I remember you almost ended up in Indianapolis. I I you know, that yeah. I completely forgot about that until this this minute ago. Okay, so this this is the question I've been waiting the entire time to ask here, Ray Lewis, what, what is it like to have (laughs) Ray Lewis, you know, legendary player, legendary motivational speaker. What, what is it like to have him as, you know, he was, he was your defensive captain, whether it was official or not.
2: Right. Uh, Ray is Ray is Ray. (laughs) I mean, what you guys see, you know, Ray does some things. Now I'm going to be honest with you. Ray love him some Ray now. Ray love a camera. We <laughs> love a camera now. But you know, we we call him Suge, and so Suge is 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 uh, just a good dude. He's a fiery dude. He loves to. I mean, I, you guys have seen the the you know his prayers or his you know his uh, inspirational speeches. You know, you've seen it all. You know, and and we we. Man, we've had, to, we've had to bear through a lot of them, you know, uh, in Baltimore. But that's who he is. You know, he has a lot to say. Um, he was a great teammate. He's a, he's a great dude. Um, and, you know, we had a lot of fun playing with each other. And, I mean, so for me to be able to line up next to – I, I I'm not starstruck. So when it comes to people, I don't know movie stars. I don't know people's names. If I see your face, like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I'm not going to ask you to take a picture. You know, i let you live your life. You let me live my life. We cool. But, you know, so to play with Ray Lewis was an awesome thing. I never looked at it like, oh, I'm playing with a Hall of Famer. I just lined up next to my teammate, and I needed to make sure my teammate was ready, and he needed to know that I was ready, and we had each other's back. And every single game, he had my back.
0: Was he one of the guys that, you know, in, in practice behind closed doors, if somebody may have been slacking off a bit, would, would he, was he one of those where he was in your face or was he one of those kind of pull you aside guys and say, Hey man, you know, what, what what's his behind the, you know, the scenes leadership like?
2: So the the crazy thing about Baltimore, and I can tell you, I, I can tell you guys this, and this is honest to God's truth. Everybody was, so when I was at, when, when I was in Baltimore, we had a panel we had a, a, a you know a group of, of guys that we made sure everybody was fine the whole team the whole team took care of everybody so if somebody didn't do something right we all got on you we, you know and so we were a veteran led football team we're not you know a lot of these teams in today's nfl you dealing with 24 25 year old players they don't know how to win they don't know how to be leaders they don't know how to Go out there and, and and to be good examples. They're stuck in nightclubs. They're stuck wanting to chase women. They're stuck wanting to chase liquor, chase drugs, whatever it may be, because they're so young. They don't know, and that's the way the league is going. They want younger players, but at the same time, when you get younger players, you get immature stuff. And I'm not going to say that older players can't do it, but when you got seasoned players, you got seasoned players that are married, seasoned players that have kids season players that want to spend time with their family. They ain't got time to be in nightclubs. They ain't got time to be doing all this other bull crap, you know. And, and so we ran that team. And if any—and and, and we really never had any situations where anybody was out of control because everybody knows if you are out of control, we're going to call you out on it, whether it's in a team meeting or whether it's at practice. And we've had a lot of those meetings where somebody got – I should say a lot of them. But we've had a lot of, you know, some meetings where – People have gotten called out, whether they liked it or not. They got called out, coaches or players.
0: Man, which you know, ideally that's that's how you want your team to to be. I mean, you've got the the good control of the locker room, and clearly it worked out for you guys, right? So, f- finally, uh, asking about teammates, we're gonna go back to we're gonna dig back to your Purdue days. So you uh, you played on the defense with Cliff Averill, and on the other side of the ball, you had some time with Kyle Orton. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> Two totally different dudes. <laughs> yes. As, as someone who was there at, at the campus and saw some of this firsthand, yes. <laughs> Even I know that. <laughs> so, can, can you tell us about you know what, what those guys were like?
2: So Cliff is actually so Cliff, my boy. We all in the group That's me him, Dustin, and uh, Stanford. Um, Cliff is when when Cliff came in, we all knew he was a little different coming out of Florida. Um he did some things in, in practice that we were just like, ah, this this boy ain't like the rest of them. You know, I think his class, I mean, I think Cliff was really the only one to come out of his class, you know, go to the league and uh but we all knew he was different. Um he showed a lot of things. We knew he was gonna be a defensive end, you know, being able to do some special things off the edge. Uh but he's also a great dude. He's a great man. Um he's played played a long career, got a Super Bowl ring, uh, he has his family. Um You know, so Cliff is Cliff. You know, a lot of people might misunderstand him. Cliff is Cliff. Cliff want to talk on the radio. Cliff Cliff is an awesome guy. Orton, different (laughs) dude. He's a different cat. He loves his golf. He was was an exceptional quarterback at Purdue. I, I loved him. I hated him for freaking fumbling them doggone footballs when we were number four in the country. You, you know
0: what? <laughs> I, I wish you wouldn't
2: have I, brought that up. <laughs> I, I had I had to bring it up, I, D, D. I had to bring it up, bro. <laughs> like I'm t- like I, I argue with people because I'm out here in SEC country. So when everybody's talking about how Georgia or Alabama or Tennessee, I'm looking like we were number four before. Like don't 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 diss uh. Purdue now. We were number four at a, at, at one point in time. And, you know, so I, we, the sky was the limit with that football team. And, and for Orton to do that, every time somebody bring his name up, I just think about him. Just all you got to do is slide. That's <laughs> all you got to do is slide. And you want to dive. You already had the first down. <laughs> just slide. And this dude dived and fumbled the ball. But uh, nevertheless, he, he's a good dude, man. Was a, he was a great teammate. Loved playing golf. Um, you know, and in the NFL, you know, we played against each other a couple times. And, I, I mean, just it was good catching up with him. Um, I have no idea what he's doing right now, and I'm. That's how he probably like. It. He's probably in a cave somewhere. He's he, he good with
0: that. <laughs> just like letting, letting the neck beard grow out.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> oh man, I have a, a good friend of mine who who also went to Purdue. He's going to be listening to this, and when when this story comes up, I just I can see him cringing right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so Kate. Wake up.
1: I'm here. I'm sorry. I didn't go to a college that has football teams, so sometimes I space out. Um, <laughs> hey, but we played hockey. We were pretty hey, good at that.
2: We didn't That's good. Yeah, we yeah, we we had yeah, we didn't have hockey, Kate. But did y'all have field hockey or ice hockey?
1: We had neither. It was ice hockey. So Okay, so you played you faced some all time greats. So I want to know how you prepared to see, like, Brady and Belichick get on the field before the game.
2: Well, so for – as I tell a lot of – and I, I, I train college players, high school players, and pro players. Um, so I always tell those guys, when you look to prepare for a football game, put yourself in that situation before you even get there. Go through it mentally. You know, and so I, the way that I prepare for games, the way that I that I work throughout the week uh, to get ready, I put crazy time in. I wanted everybody to make sure or to know that I was that thirty one was always going to be ready. If it was for me, if we, if I knew we were facing the team that ran most of the game, you know, I lifted a little heavier that week just so my body was conditioned, ready to hit. You know, if I knew we were facing the team playing uh, Peyton Manning when he was in Indianapolis, when they were a part of that that no huddle, you know, that hurry up offense that that got a lot of things going in the NFL that really kind of, inter, you know, started that, um, you better get some extra running in. And I ran extra, I, had, I did extra running every day. But, you know, when you play in those kind of teams, you've got to make sure you are ready to go. And so, you know, it's just like you've got to know your opponent. And I know we, we hear that so many times. In sports and in 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 the work world in life, know your opponent. You got to know what you what you going up against. And so you know, and and I prepare like that if, to beat a champion. You got to you got to knock that joker out, step on his throat, kill him. You know what I mean? That's what <laughs> yeah. you got to do. Right. So that's what I did.
0: So so you mentioned Peyton Manning. I mean, li- lining up on the other side, you know, and listening to him, the no huddle. And his Omaha and all his other, you know, his just crazy terminology used at the line. What is – what what goes through your mind when you're hearing that? Like, you know, you get this guy just spitting out random words and you're just thinking – you know, the average person thinking there's no way this actually means anything. But it did. It meant – everything meant something true.
2: Right. It – for – So for me, and it's it's crazy. I'm walking around in my office, and I got two footballs where I picked off uh, Peyton. And so, Peyton, the reason I say he's the best that have ever done it, um, when he prepares, Peyton knows when your foot is supposed to be a certain way. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. I played, we were playing Peyton, and I was showing blitz, but I, me, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, you know, doing a couple things. We lined up in this defense before. And so I'm thinking Peyton, no, I'm, you know, I'm going to be in uh man coverage. So I was trying to show man coverage, but I was blitzing. And so Peyton was just like, yo, 31 come He was like, watch Bernard off the edge. So I'm sitting there and I'll, I take off. I'm pissed off because I'm like, how did he know that I changed up everything? (laughs) And I didn't change my feet. And so after the game, I'm like, bro, how'd you know? He was like, dude, I looked at your feet. He's like, I watch you in film now. He's like, I know what all y'all doing. (laughs) And he's just one of them dudes where he watches every single body because he knows in order to get that, that ball off as quick as he can, in order to get to the right guy that he needs to get it to. He needs to know what's happening. And, I mean, to say that about Tom Brady is the system there. So, I mean, yes, he's made some good passes. Yes, he's done some special things. But Peyton, has done, he has done more with less talent, I believe, as far as stat-wise. I and mean, He might not have as many Super Bowl rings, but he has accomplished more and I shouldn't say with less talent because Tom Brady really haven't had a lot of big time. Yeah. Randy Moss, you know, you know, he's had some good players, but, you know, Peyton has done some special things and with with some players, man.
0: Frequently, with with the Colts, it was always you know number one in defense, number twenty nine, or number one in offense, number twenty nine in defense, and it's just, exactly, you know, the they, Peyton would score thirty five, but the defense would give up you know thirty three, and it's just it was right, like, you know, it's. But I mean, he did have some some absolute weapons on his side. Do you ever did you ever get paired up against and, and be responsible for watching either
2: either Marvin Harrison or or Reggie Wayne? So we we've done some bracket, you know, we've done some brackets where I've had to come down inside of Reggie Wayne or, um, you know, do a couple of things where we had, you know, to move around, especially with, with Dallas Clark, you know, where I've had to cover da- uh, Dallas Clark man to man, or we had to do some things where he was a, a red zone threat, you know, with the screen game, you know, so we, you know, Reggie and me and Reggie had some battles now. Like I, you know, I've i wanted to kill him, <laughs> and I finally I finally caught him in a game. I think it was a playoff game against the Colts when we were in Baltimore. I caught him coming on the skinny post, and I absolutely I tried to, de- oh I tried to decapitate him, <laughs> and uh, I got a fifteen yard penalty because uh, I nipped his head with my you know the, with the crown of my head. I didn't mean to. But I, you know, I've been ch- I ch- I've been chasing Reggie for like five or six years. He always goes out of bounds when I go to hit him, and so I finally caught him. And I just tried to oh, I tried to run through his organs. <laughs> oh <So>, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's that's uh, I mean, looking back, that's that's hilarious. But at the time, now, I mean, if you would have taken out Reggie, I probably would have been devastated by that. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, so we're we're rapidly running out of time here. So I want to talk to you about, um, you know, you, you've been hyping on your social media that you're going to be hosting a podcast coming up. So what what brought this on? And what do you uh, what do we do expect from you uh, with this show?
2: So with, with the Bernard Pollard show, so in every city that I've played in, I've always had a TV show or a radio show, and I love to engage. I, I, I love to interact with fans. I love to you know talk football. Um, but I want to come from a player's perspective. And so for me, you know, I want to be able to put content out there for for fans, um, for, you know, uh, if it's, you know, for ESPN, for NFL Network, CBS, Fox, whatever it may be, I want to be able to provide insight, you know, because I watch football differently than the fan watch football. I talk about football differently than the fan talks about football. I, I, I played this game. I was a fan of the Chicago Bears growing up. After Me playing too. football, <laughs> hey, let's get it, Kate. So after, <laughs> so after, I mean, so after watching or after playing the game, I don't. I'm not a. I still love the Bears, but I love the Bears from like '87 to like '96, '95, '96. I'm not, you know. So I don't. I don't have a dog in a fight, but I love the game of football. So when I talk it, when I when I draw about it, when I, you know, doing writing up little things or whatever, I'm vested. I am I am invested in this. And so I want to come from that standpoint and to be able to let fans know if your team's winning, why they're winning. If they're losing, why they're losing. You know, if a player does something stupid, we know about PEDs. I know about marijuana. I know how players might sneak tubes to pour it in the, 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 the cup. You know to try to cite the the personnel i know about the appeals that they, they they they've given all these players i know about that so i want to give fans that insight so that they can be like okay we know what happened but we understand it better you know what i mean so through the podcast through the show because we're gonna you know we're gonna be on youtube we're gonna be on facebook and um you know social media and and, and podcasts so it's gonna be fun that's that's exciting
0: So, Kate has her five fun fast facts that she likes to uh, wrap the show up with. So, Kate, go for it. We
1: used to do trivia, but DJ kept winning, so it kind of sucked. Yeah. So, we stopped doing that. (laughs) Okay. So, these questions are sometimes off the wall. I've been trying to get a little bit more normal on them, but they're still fine. So... (laughs) So, based on your experience, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop?
2: Ooh, Kate, that's actually, so I hear, I've heard that growing up, but I've never really, um, is it 12?
1: Well, actually, DJ sent me this link beforehand and said that Purdue University has a machine that figured out that it takes 364. However, University of Michigan had a machine that took four hundred and eleven. Ooh.
2: And yes, I, I don't want to lick. I don't want to lick a, a, a. Like I'm only want to lick it a few times yeah. and invite
0: it. Like i I would lose interest yeah. after about <laughs> ten, twelve, or so. Yeah, I, I agree. With
1: that.
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of found I found that funny that you know Purdue. It's like, oh, we're doing all this great research. Oh, we made a Tootsie Pop licking machine, so we could see how. It... <laughs> all right go for it kate
1: okay question number two who is your favorite professor in college
2: Ooh, is it bad that i don't remember any of my professors
0: no no
2: okay 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 so then i was asking for a friend but i don't remember any of my professors
0: <laughs> you know okay. I, i've been out for about you know i've been out for over a decade now uh as well and I, I can maybe remember one or two. I, I remember the one who ripped me a new one in front of the entire lab class the one time. That's that's really <laughs> the only one who
2: stopped. Well, see, and the only reason you remember yeah. that because it was trauma.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. We, I uh, I almost failed a class because I didn't get my lab. Pro- I got my lab project done with about ten minutes to spare in the semester, and he. Ripped me. It was this older guy uh, from Britain had the British accent. And he's like, You're very lucky that you're not going to be repeating this class next <laughs> <time.">
2: <laughs> See, I, I'd have told him to shut up and I'd have walked right out of the class. <laughs> I got my
0: passing grade. I had to get out
2: of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had to get your grade, baby. <laughs> Walk
0: down to Harry's and drink my sorrows away that I just. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. So,
1: my third question. So I have skipped my seven-mile run today. What a shame. Ooh, um, yes. But what's the best activity to keep in shape,
2: in your opinion? Ooh, in my opinion, uh, see, my wife is into CrossFit. Like, she does, she's a CrossFit animal. And so I would have to say for people that don't want to, you know, for people that just they don't want to go to the gym and just work out, CrossFit has got to be the best thing because I'm, you know, she's shown me stories, you know, videos of people's stories of being able, not being able to bend over and pick up things. And then after taking some classes in CrossFit, they're moving, you know, they want to keep everything to the natural movement, Um, man. So I would got, I got to say CrossFit as much as I, if she, if she heard me, she'd probably be running over here hugging me right now, but (laughs) I would have to say CrossFit. Okay.
1: What is the oddest
2: question you've ever been asked while interviewed? Oh, we, um, the, oh my goodness! So from Telemundo, <laughs> it, in this at the Super Bowl, the lady was—it was a lady. She in there with the smallest of the smallest clothes on, and then a, her camera guy was in a clown suit. So it like it's literally a joke to them, like and so she asked oh my gosh what did she ask me i think she asked me like how do we like how do we shower something like after games something like that it was like how do you bathe after games i'm looking like uh hot water dove soap and a rag what do you mean (laughs) so yeah it was crazy
1: and finally what is your go-to
2: taco bell order Ooh, Kate! oh ooh, man, you take me back to Purdue. <laughs> now, if I try to eat Taco Bell right now, it's gonna be a problem. <laughs> uh, but I can't. So when I was at when I was at Purdue, Taco Bell and 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 so hey uh, D, you remember the Taco Bell over uh, by Harry's? It was yep. right down the street from yep, here. Yep, made many trips. There. So, so I would get three Mexi Melts, meat and cheese, extra cheese, extra meat, hold the fiesta. A taco pizza, light beans, no fiesta, extra meat, extra cheese, two hard tacos, sour cream, no tomatoes. Let me go, baby. I'm telling you, it was off the chain.
0: I'm sure they probably <laughs> cringed when the football team walked in.
2: The... <laughs> yeah, we used to go in there with Brent Grover and all them, and uh, dude, it used to be, and then whoever was in the car with Brent would be bad, but yeah, so it was good.
0: That's fantastic. Mm, yeah, bringing back some memories. Actually, I think I heard there uh, <laughs> that shopping center. I hear they're demolishing that and replacing it. Yeah, they're, they're, dude, they they dude. Have you been back? I it's been a few years. Um, it's been three dude, years since I've been like Dude, it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes,
2: I went. I went to Monocle. yeah Yes, so I, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back this year. But yes, it's beautiful. So, Kate, okay, we got we got that thing done. Did I do good with the five questions? Yeah, she nailed Those... it. All right, she nailed it
0: as That's usual. Good. So that brings us to the end of the show, Bernard. Thank you so much for being on the show. Do you have a social media you want to plug?
2: Oh man, if you want to follow me, I'm I'm on uh I'm on Instagram. Um, I want to say that one's B Pollard Jr. at B Pollard Jr. Um, Twitter is uh, at crushboy Thirty One. You know that's 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 my football. I believe B Pollard Jr. I had to somebody had. Well, actually, I, I had Crush Boy and then I deleted it. I wanted to get away from social media and then I went back to it. I couldn't remember my password, so I just had to uh, start another one. So, yeah, yeah. So, hey, I, I talk football. I keep it real. I, ain't, I don't bullcrap people. We just have a good time.
0: Awesome. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, be sure to check us out at StadiumScene.tv. Give us a follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at StadiumScene. And on Instagram, Stadium underscore Scene. And we will see you next time.